Morning, everyone. Can uh, people hear me online? Yeah. I hope so. Can you yes. set up? Well, happy New Year! Happy twenty twenty three. This is the uh, first day of the year, first day of the month, and first day of the week. Very special day. And uh, in addition to being a special day, before we start our sermon this morning. We have, uh, I think, at least a couple very honored, very special guests joining us. You see, I have two co-work, uh, many co-workers, and some of them work from Ukraine. And we all know what's happening in Ukraine. And uh, as a new year, I invited some of them to join us this morning. So we can have a panel interview to kind of just get a first-hand idea, first-hand information from people. Uh, there to uh, see what it's like when to go through uh, 2022 and maybe toward the end we will pray together so I'm too very very happy to see them uh, Katerina hey uh, can you hear me yes yeah. and then uh, Ruslan uh, my other co-worker from the left I don't think the camera is working. So here's what I'm going to do, just to show you that it's really me being over here. It's not an imposter. You see me now? Yeah. And uh, let's say hi, so you kind of know who you are uh, talking with today. So there are some folks here. Hello. And there are some people here. Hello. And by the way, that's my, uh, my second son sitting right here. Say hi, Nico. Wow. Yeah, that's my kid. Nice to meet you. And then we have uh, more folks on this side. So this is what Hello. our church uh, looks like. Okay, so I'll give some time to you. Um, maybe we'll start with uh, Katerina. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, sure. I can. I can oh. do. Uh, hang on, uh, uh, Katerina. Give me a second. Okay, let's try again. Can you say something, Katerina? Yes, we can hear you now. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, Katerina. Yeah, okay, so uh, I don't know uh, what to say, uh, but uh, I, I'm really pleased to join uh, you here uh, today, uh, first day of New Year. We say first day of the year of victory because we truly believe that Ukraine will uh, will uh, win uh, this war this year. And uh, so I'm uh, I'm Katerina. I'm uh, I has been working and living in Ukraine all my life. Uh, and uh, the first uh, day uh, when the war started, uh, I was sleeping and I. Um, wake up woke up uh, of explosions uh, and of the calls of my friends and parents they were calling me and saying just several sentences uh, russia invaded ukraine uh, they bombed our cities they attacked our cities and um, we need to do something and we don't know what to do so this year was terrible and i had to leave my country, my hometown, uh, in November, uh, because it was the situation when I couldn't work 
because of explosions and um, electricity was down all the time and infrastructure was ruined. There was no water, no electricity. Uh, you couldn't even, uh, I couldn't even make coffee and cook some meals. So um, as uh, in Ukraine, uh, women and all uh, uh, people, they can leave Ukraine, they can cross the border with countries. Uh, but young man like Ruslan, who is now in Kharkiv, he's a real hero because he is staying in Ukraine in the like very risky location. Um, so young men uh, are not able to leave country. Uh, so I'm now in Spain um, trying to help Ukraine with donations, uh, trying to volunteer as I can here uh, to support Ukraine. Um, and uh, to support my parents who are still there every day they under the huge risk because uh, Russia attacks uh, civilian infrastructure every day so I'm praying for them and uh, I'm praying for all people my friends my team uh, to, to be safe and uh, to be healthy and uh, to, to just to believe in victory so um, this is <laughs> this is what I can say now. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Hilary. Now we'll pray for you um, both at the end. Um, and Ruslan, how about you? Yeah. How about you by yourself? Okay. Uh, as you know, I'm Ruslan, and I'm from Kharkiv, and I've been living here for all my life. And Kharkiv is part of Ukraine, which is 40 kilometers from Russia territory. So they hit our city almost from the first day. Um, the first day I was awake, it was late night, but I like working at the night. So I heard this explosion from Russia missile and the war started. I remember the times when we live in shelters almost all the time. Uh, the first moment of war when people were scared and they don't know what to do. It was panic. They like trying to buy everything they could find in shops and malls and everywhere else. So, yeah. Yeah, must must be hard. Um, so thank you again very much for joining us this morning, and we know we're coming to um, uh, 2023. And thank you for sharing with us some of the experiences that you have and the stories of what happened. Uh, what are your hopes? I know we would love to see um, uh, peace to to your country, to Ukraine. Um, what are some of, some of your other hopes for uh, 2023? So I believe uh, everyone in Ukraine, uh, every Ukrainian, uh, believe only and hope only uh, to one thing that this war will be ended, and uh, we all stay uh, in safe. Uh, our parents will stay alive uh, because. Um, I don't know, this is the most important thing uh, in our life, is just to have our family uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. I, I think this is the most uh, 
desired thing and we all hope that it will be ended because this war is has no justice good people die um, young people die and you know there is no karma when for example bad people can die and good people stay alive it's it's there's no any rule it's it's the big question um, i have um, during all this war how it works where is the justice where is you know karma god i don't know how it works why such things still can happen in like in, in this century uh, so we hope only for victory yeah we we'll definitely pray for that um how about you Rusan? how else can we what are your hopes for this year yeah um I think I am waiting for a moment of our victory and hope it will be as soon as possible because each day it's took one more life from our defenders, from our children and everyone else who is in Ukraine. So as soon as possible, please. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, thank you guys again for um, taking your time here. Any anything that I didn't ask that you prepared to share with us? Anything else? Uh, no, I, I think I said everything I, I prepared <laughs> because I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, by saying victory, we uh, mean uh, it, we mean just this war stop and all these explosions and deaths stop uh we don't need uh, like a victory uh, just to be a winner we just want uh, this to stop and just to continue our normal life uh to plan something to i don't know to dream about something because now it's absolutely uh, not possible you you are not able to plan anything uh because everything is changes every minute uh so this is it yeah. Uh, Rufan, how about you? Uh, yeah. I think the same. We all waiting for the end. And it's really hard to leave when you can go to the shop and a Russian missile hit this building and you die. It's scary. So you cannot like see your future for today or just went to the shop and buy something easily so yeah okay i know uh, we don't talk about faith and religion at work um so uh, we are a group of our christians is it okay that we pray for you in the name of jesus is that okay okay yeah okay the congregation let's let's pray for them okay father thank you this morning um to bring our Dear friends, um, wonderful co-workers, and uh, on the guests to our midst, pray for uh, Katarina, pray for Ruslan, pray for everyone in, in Ukraine, pray for uh, all the innocent uh, people from both sides, that Father, uh, let you just bring peace, and uh, like Katarina said, uh, victory that just allowed this nonsense to stop is killing to stop and um a lot of this uh 
uh, innocent lives to, to, to end for no good, of no good reason to just stop. Father, we give you um, uh, Katarina Ruslam and their families, their loved ones, their friends. We pray for their cities, we pray for their country. That Father, you will just bring your peace to them, you will just bring your comfort to them. You will show them who you are, and you will just uh, somehow not, not just relieve what's happening, but also redeem what's going on over there. Father, we thank you again for bringing them in our midst. And we will strengthen them, empower them, and show your grace to them throughout the year. And we ask for all these in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, I don't know if you're still there. Uh, if you don't feel like you hear me talk enough Monday to Friday, feel free to stay. But I know it's late over there. Um, so if you want to drop off now, thank you so much. Thank you very much for your time, for your praise, um, for your. Hi. Right, so these are my coworkers. Um, Thank you. Rustam, living in Kharkiv, that's on the top right circle, and he was under Russian occupation for a period of time last year. Most of my coworkers live in Dnipro, that's the second circle uh, toward the center of Ukraine, and. Uh, as he stands right now, only female citizens of Ukraine can leave the country. So, uh, Katarina moved to US, Spain temporarily, and they would tell me stories how they're living minus 15 degrees throughout the day without electricity. And I asked them, What do you do? Just wear more clothes. And uh, sometimes they will go on days without where to get, without knowing you know, where to get water or where to, where to get food from. And I offer something silly. I said, you know, take all the time you need from work. And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Dean? Work is our escape uh, from the war. Uh, work is what helped me forget about all that's happening. So I have to work. So let's continue to uh, pray for Ukraine for that region. Now. Yeah, thank you. Now let's talk about Mark. We're coming to a very interesting passage about someone pretty famous, John the Baptist. Now, if you want to stay denominational neutral, a lot of us call him John the Baptizer nowadays without the association with the, the Baptist uh, denomination. Let me ask you guys this question and gals too. What's the point to an appetizer before the meal? What do appetizers do? Okay, it's your palate. Okay, what else does it do? Why do we order appetizers? <laughs> before it takes too long. Yeah, get ready for the for the main course, right? Yeah, what else? It makes you hungry for more, exactly. Open up your appetite. Get in the mood. Awesome. That's why we have appetizers. That's why we have prayers and worship before uh, this message. And that's why we have, uh, if you go to a concert, there's typically a, 
opener artist before the main band or people show up. John the Baptist or the baptizer is a precursor, a forerunner, an appetizer for Jesus uh, who is about to come. And he is a strange cookie. He is a strange evangelist. He does a lot of things in a non-conventional way back in the days. And we read something about him just now. Now, one thing about the Gospel of, the gospel of Mark is this. Mark, unlike Matthew, how many chapters are there in the book of Matthew? 20. Yeah, high 20s, right? 27, 28. How about Luke? 24, give or take. How about John? 21, I think, give or take. How about Mark? 16. Something about Mark is he doesn't want to waste his time on things that he did not believe, uh, didn't think he need to write down. He writes a lot about the actions uh, about Jesus and decided to spend some time to write about John the Baptizer. So John the Baptizer must have made an impression on Mark for him to write those down. So let's take a look at what Mark decided to write about John the Baptist, who is a strange cookie. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. The first thing strange about John the Baptist is he chose a strange location to perform his ministry. And the audience that he ministered to are strange too. Why is that? Let's take a look at the map here. You see Jerusalem down the bottom left-ish place. And traditionally, there are two places we think John the Baptist performed his ministry. They are both way out on the other side of River Jordan. One may be closer, right, that's the lower arrow where it points to, and the other one is where the upper arrow points to. There are rivers closer to Jerusalem. John didn't go there. And in fact, I argue that if he's serious about attracting certain crowd, he will not even go that far. Why not just go out to the temple in Jerusalem? There are numerous synagogues in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. Why not just go there? Why not go somewhere? I don't know, Jerusalem Hilton Hotel, nice and cushy. Why didn't he go there? Why did he choose to go all the way out to um, the River Jordan? What do we know about River Jordan that makes that place strange but significant? When Moses led the Israelites into the land of Canaan, the whole nation sinned. You guys remember that story? They couldn't, they were on the east side of Jordan and they couldn't get past River Jordan. God stopped them. God told Moses to stand up high on a mountain uh, on the east side of Jordan 
look down to where they could have gone. The promised land, so close, and yet so far. Moses died in the wilderness, never get to cross to the west of Jordan. Later on, Israelites established the promised land, their country, and River Jordan represented a boundary of some sort. Yeah, there are two and a half tribes still on the east side of River Jordan, but for most of the country, they stay on the, on the west. And throughout the history of Israel, if you stay on the west side, it's the, the tribes where you are. If you stay on the east side, the enemies. West side, safety, shelter. East side, enemies, danger, hostility. West side, Yahweh, God worshippers. Pure, holy land. East side, idol worshippers. Babylon, Assyria where the enemies came, and there were idol worshippers. That land is wicked. Now, John the Baptist chose not the west, but the east side to perform ministry. The Bible told us that he went beyond Jordan to baptize Peter. Isn't that strange? When you get baptized, we know what that baptism means and symbolizes, right? The old one dies, the new one comes up. So John the Baptist trying to tell us he chose that place on purpose because when you get baptized there and you get up, you look into the west, you go back to Jerusalem and Judea, a new person. Another thing very interesting or strange about this is uh, the people that he ministered to. These are people from Judea and from Jerusalem. In other words, they are Israelites. Now, up until this moment, uh, around this time, baptizing, baptism functioned as a way to proselyte um, non-Jews into the Jewish nation. What does that mean? That kind of it's a little bit similar to nowadays the naturalization of citizenship, right? When you became from a citizen of another country to a citizen of a new country, you have to pledge allegiance to the new country. Right? You take on, you get a new passport, you take on new identity and new life. That's what baptism did um, during the Old Testament times. So why do Jews need to be baptized again? Which new country, which new nation, what new kingdom are they getting baptized into? Very strange. One key point here I want to call out. Last week, Patrick Jeremy talked about this ministry of John the Baptizer had been foretold have been prophesied and predicted in the Old Testament. Right? You guys remember that? Malachi, Isaiah, and then, and then some. And a lot of times, so we take John's ministry for granted. 
we tell ourselves, hey, God said this will happen, so it's going to happen anyways. If it's not going to be John the Baptist, it's going to be someone else. But think about it from John's perspective. He apparently put some thoughts. He apparently has thought about where it would be best for him to perform his ministry. To him, it's not a question, hey, God said it's going to happen. I don't have to do it. Someone else can do it. Maybe in his mind, he's thinking, God wanted this to happen. And I believe it's me. We know about his history, other angels, talk to his parents. But I'm going to do it well anyways. He didn't go out and pour Jonah. We all know what happened to Jonah. God told him to do something. And he did it in a quiet, quitting way. Just go around the city of Nineveh and tell people, hey, you know repent, you're going to die. That's all he did. But John, on the other hand, put some thoughts into his calling and took it seriously. Picked the place to do it and minister to an audience specifically. What does that mean for us? Who's about to graduate in the room? Anybody from college? Not yet? Okay. From high school? Okay. One and just one. Okay. I'm going to pick on Michelle for a little bit here. Michelle, have you applied for colleges? What's the point? All those colleges will be filled with uh, students. Why you? There's no point. I, I picked the wrong person too. <laughs> I, I totally wasn't expecting that. Really nice. But why, really? Why did you apply? Because you picked the time to fill out the applications, right? Okay. Schools fit you well. So you wouldn't think about it from the perspective of the school. Hey, they're going to find students to fill the spot anyways. But you want to prove that they should pick you when you apply, right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so why is it that when it comes to calling for ourselves, sometimes we have the mentality, it's God's will, someone's, someone's going to do it, it doesn't have to be me. Why can't you be the one to fulfill that calling? And I would challenge you to go back and read Ephesians chapter 2. Did God predestined or pre-elected us? Or did he predestined and pre-elected us to do something and be something? Go back and read that. Not, not right now. I'm going to move on to my next point. So that's the first lesson we learned from John. God's will and our role in his story. Second thing strange about John the Baptizer is actually the least strange of all three. He wears camel's hair coat with a leather belt, and he has a strange diet. He eats locusts and wild honey. My applications for you this morning, camel's coat, only $187 from Walmart. Okay. It's more expensive on Amazon, so get it from Amazon. It's too expensive for me to get for you today. 
But I got something else for everybody here. Locusts. Currently unavailable because I got the last one. I'm gonna pass this around. If you don't get anything else on today's sermon, try some locust. Okay, pass this around. See what it's like to be John performing 2,000 years ago. Now, interestingly, of all the insects in the world, locust is only one allowed by the Levitical uh, rule. Okay, so it's okay for you to eat locust. Uh, they still have marinated salt and pepper. This one is, I forgot, teriyaki or something? Yeah. If you don't eat them, we're going to give it to a Nikos turtle. So, you know, have, have at it. Why this strange diet in the outfit that's worth Mark calling it out? Who else wears something similar in the Old Testament? Any Bible buffs in the room? Elijah. Elijah did something similar. So you see, this is the least strange as far as our outfit goes. When people see John the Baptist, they think about, huh, that's Elijah. The Old Testament predicted Elijah will come again and be the appetizer for the Messiah. So when they see John the Baptist doing that, they immediately make the connection between him and Elijah. What does that do for John when he did that? What did he establish in people's hearts when he did that? Exactly. That was the exact word I was looking for. Credibility. He's trying to tell people, you can trust me. And of course, we know the Bible didn't exactly say that but it will be something similar that we go through. When we see someone authentic to his words, authentic to his, uh, to his actions, someone who is preaching something important, that person needs credibility. Uh, credibility. Why would people go all the way out from Jerusalem and Judea, travel to the other side of Jordan just to hear him talk? just to be baptized by him. There are other teachers, probably better teachers, inside Jerusalem. And by the way, how's the locust? Smells good? Okay. okay. No. So it's actually not that bad, right? Okay, good. So he eats locust, which is not, not that bad. And he drinks honey, which is good for his throat, when he talks, when he preaches. But why do people travel all the way out to see him? Because they trust him. Because they find John the Baptist credible. He has credibility among the people. By this time, we learn from the passage that John has a ministry. He has a quote-unquote church location out in the wilderness. He has a following, so he's a leader of some sort. People come all the way out from Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> who, who else needs water? 
people from Jerusalem to go all the way out to hear to him talk. What would you do if you were John? If you're a church founder, you got to a sizable church, you have people who follow you from the capital of the nation, what would your message be? Here, call this number and donate 10% of your money and God will bless you because you do that. That's a lot what we hear. That would not make him credible, would it? But once John got to a certain point where by today's standard we call successful ministry, he has a very, very strange message for people. Something no one, no teachers from Jerusalem talked about. To give you, to give you a glimpse of where he is in people's heart, Luke chapter 3 told us, people come and ask him, are you the Messiah? That's how successful he was. No, I'm not the Messiah, John said. Are you the Elijah to come? And then, no, I'm not the Elijah to come. Are you the prophet, a prophet? No, I'm not a prophet. But who are you then, if you are not the Messiah, not Elijah, and not the prophet? And John told them this very interesting response. This is who I am. After me comes he who is mightier than I, Look at all the ministry. Imagine the church. Imagine we have 10 times more people here. And the people up here tell you, there's going to come after me someone else greater than me. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Do we even know what that means? Have I shared with you 2,000 years ago, people and animals share the same road? and that animals don't always control their bowel movements and people wear sandals, not shoes, sandals uncovered they walk on the same road as those animals and that's why in the New Testament they say when you enter someone's house you always wash your feet, wash your sandals Zhang is saying when Jesus walked with animal stuff on his sandals, he would love to go down and untie those sandals, but he's not worthy to even touch the poop on Jesus' sandals. Can you imagine that humility in John the Baptist? Am I not worthy to touch the filth on Jesus' feet? I have baptized everyone here with water that's physical, that cleans the body, that cleans that something that can be seen. But He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the wind that cannot be seen, the breath that God, the same word, 
The spirit means also breath and wind. And when God breathed life into people, into Adam, we become alive. We become, we become alive. I baptize you with water to cleanse you, cleanse something that you already have, the body. He's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit that brings forth life. He is just an appetizer. The main course hasn't shown up yet. And it's coming. It's coming next week, I think. We go through the next uh, passage next week. What else do we learn from John for being strange, for doing these strange things? He takes his calling seriously. He takes, if you call that the faith, seriously. We knew from the scripture, John had his doubts. When he got arrested, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you, are you really the Messiah? I, I've been preparing for you. Are you the main course? Yeah, he's doubts. He's just a human. But he truly understands what he needs to do. So I got one question for everyone this morning. Which mentality do we take when we approach our faith? The one, it's kind of like what Michelle mentioned. I know the college regs that the openings will be filled, but I want to be the one they accept. I want to be the one sitting in the auditorium when semester starts. Or are you be the one who's like, it doesn't matter, I have to be there. Another student will take my seat. Someone's going to do it. Which mentality do we take to approach our faith? In the first case, the case of Michelle, that's what John the Baptist showed us. The Bible didn't say, but I, I would imagine he is not the only one doing something like that. In fact, according to statistics, statistics in the United States alone, about 1,000 people every year proclaim they are the second coming of Jesus Christ. And of course, most of them end up in the world. But what made John different? He's credible. He's thoughtful. He's strange, but he stays truthful to his calling. Or are you happy being the second case, the second scenario, the second mentality? Someone's gonna do it. Doesn't have to be me. Someone can share the gospel. Someone can be. Someone else can be faithful. Someone else can teach. Someone else can do this, someone else can do that. God's will will be done. Yes, God's will will be done. But not through me. 
that's something I leave to all of you guys and girls to think about this moment. Thank uh you. -huh.